Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast, end of 2016, thank, thank fuck, special edition. That wasn't rehearsed, that's just a thing we do sometimes. It's all downhill from here. So we're going to go over, each of us has picked our top three comics from this pig fucker of a year. Uh, we're going to run those down and then tell you our best. We've also got the results of our fabulous competition. One lucky listener will win all of our books of the year. None of which I think are web comics, so we're not cheaping out this time. Some of mine might not be easily available. Mine actually might be a webcomic. <laughs> we'll send you, like, runner-up. You'll get some books. It'll be nice. What's happening here is some books will happen. Happening. We'll do a happening. books right up here. Lucy. Hi. What are your three books of the year? So my three books of the year um, are, in no particular order, Rolling Blackouts by Sarah Glidden. That was the one that I talked about quite recently, where she went to Iraq and Syria with a journalism team, and they did some very good reporting about that part of the world. And it was also sort of a meta about journalism and how that sort of shapes narratives of conflict zones and stuff. It was very, very good. I've been recommending the shit out of that, despite not having read it, purely on the uh, on the status uh, strength of your uh, your verdict. Hooray. Mm. <clears throat> um, I also... So this one ended up on the list. It's a webcomic that didn't start this year, but did run during this year, and it's probably... Close the, enough. Yes. It's probably the thing that has brought me the most joy. I mean, I was looking at my list and I had four that I had to narrow down to three, and I was like, oh, well, I should probably take off the webcomic because it didn't really start this year and it's a webcomic and blah. And then I actually thought, no, it was the one that made me the happiest if it's staying on the list. And that was Unsounded by Ashley Cope. Mm. This is the um, sort of zombie, reptile girl, swashbuckling fantasy, simply because it's it's not only absolutely beautifully drawn and coloured, but it's just one of the most interesting and enticing fantasy universes that I've had the pleasure of immersing myself in for a long time. I really, really loved it. And then my final pick for this year is the third volume of the March Trilogy by John Lewis, Nate Powell and Andrew Aden, which is the story of John Lewis's involvement in the civil rights movement and it feels more important now than it has at any point in history in between now and then, probably. Mm. You've got rise of fascism, you've got Black Lives Matter, you've got civil rights still a massive issue, just the discourse and the way that it's being presented has changed. Um, and it is an important story to understand, especially from this perspective, and is told extraordinarily well. It's also, um, that series has been getting onto a lot of serious, worthy, best of lists. Mm. So, uh, it's, it's always nice to see the fucking old people have to deal with comics and get schooled. Yes, and I mean, it's it, while it does definitely fall under the category of serious and worthy, it's also very sort of compelling mm. in and of itself. It's a very easy read. It's not pleasant or good, but the story is very compelling and very necessary. Remind me, Unsounded. Unsounded? Yeah. Uh, we've covered that before, I think. Yeah, on the fantasy comics. Is that the one with the girl in the distant ta- uh, ruined city, or am I thinking something No, else? this is the one with the girl who's got a sort of zombie attendant, and her dad sent her off on a quest. We may actually be thinking about the same thing. Mm. Her dad sent her off on a sort of slightly doomed quest, and they find out that there's a bunch... They get involved in sort of a political intrigue of these neighbouring kingdoms, um, and all that sort of thing. Okay. Roger, what about you? Well, gosh. Um, 
Okay, so um, this was a really tough one for me. I basically it came down to the wire. I, there's a lot of I read a lot of stuff that I kind of enjoyed. The things I really loved this year were all ongoing series that started last year, pretty much. So I was almost all of my favourites are still good. The same. I've had a lot of very good. Finding brilliant has been harder this year. Well, you, you're probably going to come to this, maybe, but there was a thing where, sort of a couple of years, where it seemed like everyone was spinning up new books, and now they're still writing their new books. So, yeah. by the slightly arbitrary rules we've set ourselves of, sort of, it came out this year, or we've you know, talked about it in distraction or whatever. We already told the nice people about the ones that came out last year, eh? Oh, quite. And some of them are still running, and some of them are still great. Inexplicably Canadian. Or your money back. But no, I found some things. Um, I'm going to be a little cheeky. I'm just quickly sneak... Before I get to the, the three that I really liked, I'm just going to quickly sneak in a mention of the Broken Frontier anthology. Oh yes, that was really um, good. Which was just so fucking good. Like, probably the best anthology I've that's mm. passed through my grimy little fingers. And that just didn't make it in. Um, not least because, uh, well... Is kind of an expensive hardback, and I didn't want to have to give someone it as a best of year prize. Um. <coughs> I was going to say that's very fair, but no, it's not. You're an, you're a deeply unreasonable man. No, no, no. I mean, there's a couple of other reasons. One is that there are a couple of like. I, I genuinely do think the other things I picked out were a bit better, but it's kind of touch and go. It's always an anthology is only ever as good as the worst bit of it. But sometimes it can feel as good as the best one. This is what made it difficult, right? Like, you leave through it and think, this is amazing. Oh, this is not amazing. Anyway, so I went with um, non-anthology books because it's just fucking easier. Um, and one of them's a bit contentious, actually. I'll, I'll, these aren't in any kind of quality order, but I will come to that last. So, For the Love of God Marie by Jade Sarson. Yes. Which I think I mentioned mm-hmm. last, about last time. time. Uh, and we interviewed her on the Thought Bubble cast. Lovely... Uh, Lovely person, by all accounts. Nothing to do with the thing. You've met her. I'm whiffling. Jeez. Do you want content on that? I mean, you were there when you interviewed her. I was very hungover. That's true. That's true. Just about there. I had the clanks. No, um... So this is... uh, Just to kind of quickly recap, this is a um, story of Marie, a... All the jacket blood and stuff says sort of free spirit, which is fair. She's a, a is fairly... Is that code for promiscuous, but we're not judging? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, well, no, it, everyone is fucking judging. The book is about everyone judging her for it and her being like, mm. um, The kind of the structural joke is that she's taken the whole God is love, you should love mm-hmm. everyone edict as a Catholic schoolgirl a little bit too far to heart and decided to fuck everyone she thinks is interesting. Uh, and over the course of the book evolves this to a reasonably complex personal philosophy and deals with the consequences of it and particularly the consequence of that attitude not fitting very well into the culture of more issues moving through mm-hmm. so it moves from the 60s through to the 90s or so um, she meets a bunch of interesting people has some fairly complex stuff go down in her life there's, you know, there's a bunch of slut shaming there's a bunch of racism there's a bunch of stuff uh, reasonably happy ending with a bit of sort of foofy metaphysical stuff. Mm. A little frisson at the end. It looks great. I think when I talked about it last time, I talked about the colour coding. 
Um, yes. It does the paper stock background shift thing, a bit mm-hmm. like um, Light in My Shadow. It does sort of colour accents. There are some things like um, her guy she's with for was it Prashad something like that I'm so bad with names but his umbrella is colour coded mm-hmm. as of the bright gold as are the glasses of um, a girl she's seeing at one point and her own flowing golden hair you get the sort of there's a colour palette for each era but also some inflections of colour with the mood of the piece and mm-hmm. colours played against each other it looks lovely it looks um, that style we're seeing a lot of at the moment which is people that kind of People that cut their—I want to say people that cut their teeth on manga, but not shit. Yes. Um, like we're out of the nineties. It's it's its own thing now. It's a sort of vaguely manga influenced thing that's actually good, as opposed to a bunch of people phoning it in. Yeah. Um, it's it's just joyous, and it's got it's got some real emotional punch. It's got a story to tell, but it's and some of it's kind of unpleasant. But you read it, and you kind of want to give everyone a bit of a hug and it's it's just a lovely thing uh, I'm fairly sure I spoke about it better on the on the previous podcast and I keep meaning to review it for the site I also really enjoyed uh, the nameless city by faith Aaron Hicks um, also colored by Jordi Belair um, what isn't um, and this is it's one of those wonderful things which is sort of an all-ages book that is literally all ages as opposed to patronizing written at kids um, it's weirdly cinematic. It's got this three-act structure and a bunch of stuff that... Um, it's the Disney movie I want. So, uh, it, it's, this, it's there's this, this city, when we encounter it, it's called Dandao. Um, but it's got... It, it's the port town controlling the only um, sort of sea exit through the mountains. There's the sort of fantasy geography and it's a sort of hemisphere squished against against a, a mountain ridge with a with an arch through it which turns out to be artificial controlling shipping routes out to sea so it's it's the trade nexus for um, for its continent to continent that's inhabited by three large nations and the city and as it turns out the city being so strategically important is so often conquered and every conquering force renames it that it's had hundreds of names to the point where its native inhabitants don't bother naming it. They don't consider themselves a people, they just call themselves the named, and their attitude is to sort of let the roles of conquest wash over them and carry on with their lives. Which may be good forward thinking at this point. Mm. And it's the story of Kai, the uh, son of uh, one of the Tao, the most recent uh, sort of people to, to conquer the city. And they're a sort of um, kind of, they're like Kath Kids and Samurai. It's sort of it's it's top knots, but lots of powder blue. They're sort of unthreatening samurai. Um, they've got an aggressive military culture, but they're all drawn a little bit too cute for it to quite stick. But it does work. It really works as a visual identity. They they fit together quite neatly. I think it's partly because we're dealing with their teenagers, not their soldiers. I think also it's one of those things where they the the it's the past mm. in some nebulous way. Yeah, armies are not that big individual warriors count in a, in a yeah, huge yeah, way it's, it's got that thing going on um, and he meets a street kid from the city who calls herself Rat and they form a hesitant pseudo friendship and she basically teaches him parkour um, I'm being or, incredibly glib 
but yeah, teaches the, him how the ways to, of the city, yeah, how to exist in the city, and this involves a lot of running across roof, across rooftops and him kind of failing and like face planting, and it's just fucking adorable. But it nails this thing, which it, it's got this wonderful. Um, eye for character through action. You see this in much of the opening panels, but sort of Kai's facial expressions as things happen to him, he falls off a lot of stuff, he's a bit derpy and clumsy. Um, Rat is absolutely not. And then he gradually picks it up, so some stuff happens and he has to do a run through the city to get back to a thing in time. And So you've got that classic sort of cartoony structure of conquers adversity, uses the skill he's learned to save the day, finally makes the jump that he couldn't make. Um, but it's done with this tremendous lightness of touch and delight to it. It's it was one of those. I think it was one of our sincerity comics, wasn't it? Um, I believe so. Was it? I cut it if it wasn't. I don't know. It's just being affirmational. But it, it's got that feel. It's got that feel of this kind of light, but still very engaging, joyous thing. And the characters are fairly real. There's some emotional sort of heft between them. No one's unequivocally awful, no one's unequivocally good. There's a scene where the, the general of all blades gets confronted by Ran, and she's like, you killed my parents, your soldiers killed my parents, and the way he's narratologically been set up, you're expecting him to sort of kick off one-on-one and be this kind of gross imperialist, and he's just like, I did, and I'm sorry about that, and it's really complicated. What would you like me to do next? How do you want this to go? Everything is proper fucked. And it's just, I don't know, it's got a lot to it, and it looks amazing. It looks like sort of, I want to say watercolour Tintin. It's only watercolour in the sort of preview section at the very beginning, and it's quite solid after that. It's a a fantastic looking book. It's incredibly kinetic. It's got a lot of humour. It's got a lot of laughing at itself. It's just a brilliant thing. And then my third pick is wildly different and is a little bit contentious because it's the first issue of a three-issue miniseries. And the last one won't be out until just before New Year and then the next one's in February or something, or January. It's um, And this is AD After Death by Scott Snyder writing and Jeff Lemire on art. Oh my god, this is a storming bit of publishing. I've not seen anything like it. There will be other things like it because... Comics have had a very long history, but <laughs> this is the first thing I've seen quite like this. Um, it's published. It's a magazine, so it's not a monthly floppy. It's magazine size. Um, it's got this wonderful thick matte cover, mm, like the Warhammer magazine, mm. Mm. and it it smells. Yeah, it's. Um, the paper stock is different to monthly floppies as well. It's, it's done as a it's done as a magazine, so it's harking really strongly back to the roots of genre publishing as sort of short story mags. And the print design is all sort of typewriter font, but it's weirdly aggressively modernist. So sorry, I should probably explain what this thing is. Um, Maybe in the in our at some point in our timeline, roughly now, a cure for death, and we don't know anything more than this, is discovered. And the protagonist is somehow involved in the process of the discovery and has some complicated regrets about both that and his own childhood. We then skip forward to about 800 years in the future, where 
everything's really weird and there don't seem to be that many people, which I suppose would be one way of coping with everyone being immortal, it's really not clear what's going on. It's got that Jeff Lemire, very tr Jeff Lemire in Trillium style art of a lone protagonist walking through a bizarre landscape. So we see a vignette of him walking through a really creepy, really lyrical jungle, and then that kind of cuts away. It might be a dream, it might be something else. He's then working on a farm. There's something going on with time schemes and with kind of nature preserves, something to do with weird things that will happen to biological life. He leaves that. He's been in a job there for 80 years and then is moving on to another rotation. Described as rotations, it seems like people have assigned work in this society. Moving on to a mountaintop observatory, looking down on what seems to be the site of some kind of grotesque disaster. It's really, really trickling out the details. All we really know is that this world is very strange and that he wants to either destroy or fix it somehow. And this is all interwoven, so it's mostly not comic, it's mostly prose fiction. This is all woven through by these little typographically weird vignettes of his memory or his life. And it tells this, so it starts with this acute childhood story of a family holiday to Florida where it just goes, everything goes horrifyingly wrong. And I, I read this and I couldn't put it down. It's got that thing that, I don't know if you read The Back Matter for Witches, where Snyder, Snyder is talking about going through the woods as a child. And he writes the thing exquisitely well, which is the recollection of childhood, retaining the childhood experience, but with a sort of semi-ironized adult gloss. Like, he, he's very good at articulating the ironic advantage of remembrance. Mm -hmm. And this nails that so fucking hard. And Lemire's art works perfectly with the splotches and the ink wash across the pages. And it plays typographic games, so it'll shape the text around the coil of an uncoiling cassette spool, or there are... It's got that sort of typography as semantics, slightly blast or modernist style thing going on. While it tells these terrifying, cute, but painful stories that somehow set us up for this thing that's happened that's so weird, and... I'd never seen anything like it. I read it in one sitting, couldn't put it down. Some of it was incredibly painful. Um, went and had a large glass of wine and then read it again. It's, um... It's the Roger method. It's fucking amazing. Now, it could totally blow it. It could totally fluff it on issue two. You don't know. That's the risk you're asking but people to take. I would... I would grab monster. This. I would grab this one you can, because a lot of stores, uh, comic stores, ordered lots of the issue one on the strength of the names. No one bought it and didn't order any of issue two. So you can probably get issue one right now, but good luck getting the second one. Uh... Is it available digitally at all? Maybe. It is image and they normally do. It is gigantic and oversized and the production is worth going physical format for. I'll be very interested to see what they do with the collection. It's going to be a hardback in the first instance in February or March. It might be as good. Um, this, just, this was the, the most excitingly unusual thing I've read this year and I fucking loved it. So like you, I struggled, um, and I've been reading things like right up to the last minute to make sure that I, um, I didn't miss things, um, and I mean, obviously I still have, but I can only sort of go to my taste and, and, and go for the things that I enjoy. Um, so again, no particular order. Um, pick one is 5,000 kilometers per second. Uh, by Manuel Fiore, who is uh, an Italian artist. Uh, it came out in English this year. It came out in its original Italian in 2010, but I don't speak Italian, so fuck you. Um, 
it's the story of two lovers um, at various points in time but very tangential um, it's sort of a cascade of stuff going wrong in their lives and the notional connection to one another um, played out as fever dream, as nostalgia, as awful as it was, preferable to the present. And it's a very different take on that idea of sort of reminiscing on regrets or lost loves throughout uh, throughout life. So it starts with the two characters as as teenagers, barely even meeting just sort of becoming aware of one another in the small mm. town that they live in. And then it cuts to the breakdown of their relationship with one of them moving to Norway. That's far away. skips ahead through time and um, with the, them getting their lives together, moving on to other people, having kids, and eventually come sort of crashing back to potentially the last time they meet. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to view their lives through this sort of very tangential lens, um, through moments where they are ostensibly focused on something else, but drawn to each other or to thoughts of each other. Um, and it's not nice in any way. It's really unpleasant they're not good together but you never really see them together you just you get a, a feeling for their lives and the way that they have shaped one another through these scenes in other places and it's just very well constructed in that regard it's a very interesting little book really liked it mm. um, second pick is Plutona Jeff Lemire again, writing and some of the art. Emmy Lennox doing the rest of the art, and... Mm. So I've heard good things about this. Guess who coloured it? Clayton. No. Geordie? Geordie Belair. Woo! Um, Plutona is the story of kids finding a body in the woods. Um, and in this case, that body is that of a superhero. Um, and it's the stand-by-me thing of mismatched kids having a adventure and having something that suddenly throws them into making decisions that they should never have to. And mm. um, you see how their various different lives lead them to react to that. So you have a kid who's using it as an excuse to hook up with the girl they wanted to hook up with resentment that causes with others in the group mm -hmm. the superhero groupie who thinks he's going to get powers from being in contact with the body and, <laughs> um, and again it's kind of bleak by which it's I mean incredibly scene. bleak I'm just going to check my notes here yes yes it is um, but it's just it's It's not something new. It's riffing on a story that's been told many, many times. Um, the body in the woods is almost a uh, trope at this point. 
Um, like the porn. Yes, it's like the porn, except it's, uh, it's a corpse. Yeah, less sexy, unless that's what you're into. Yeah. Which is a metaphor for which? Just don't talk to him anymore. Best not to. No. And it's something that I'd, I'd sort of, I'd ignored for a while. I wasn't expecting to like it and was thinking that it would be uh, too close to things like Stand By Me. But it does that really well. The characters are well drawn. They feel slightly more than archetypes. Like there isn't, you don't have the jock, the nerd, you have things that exist within this world of superheroes. Um, and you have really um, one of the better takes on a queer character that I've seen this year. Um, it's, you know, it's a character who is not out in any way, but is making steps towards that. And people who know them well know and react to it but in that way of not revealing a secret mm. it's just it's well played it's well written that part mm-hmm. of it and it's not all nice sometimes it's anger and resentment but it's very well written what you're saying is you like good stuff that's bleak and not always nice I've read plenty of non-bleak stuff as well but you didn't enjoy any of it as much as the bleak stuff it wasn't as good there's things that I've enjoyed more that I don't think are objectively as good as the things that I put on this list. I can tell you multitudes, motherfucker. It's a, it's a good year for Jeff Lemire so far. I also Jordi Belair. The Lemire year. My last pick uh, is Vision by Tom King, uh, who's the writer, Gabriel Hernandez Walter, who is the artist, and. Oh, is it? It's Jordi Belair, it's the Jordi colors. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think the first two trays of this have come out, but this is this is chunky knitwear and misery in the suburbs. Yeah, well, the oh knitwear, God, there is a theme. The the knitwear is more in the in the film, but uh, uh, this is a series of smart suits. But basically, the vision, the the synthesoid from the Avengers, decides to move to the suburbs and create a family based on a series of suppositions that he has made that are perhaps not correct and what you get is a superhero-y sort of framework for questioning um, the nature of consciousness, the nature of inheritance from parents both in the sense of genetic or genetically an analog given that they are made from the same stuff as him Mm -hmm. um and 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 what you inherit in terms of upbringing um but also he has a very conservative take on what life is Mm. um it's sort of cartoonishly 1950s almost he goes off to work at the Avengers, and he comes home at five from the Avengers, mm-hmm. <laughs> an organisation that is called the Avengers. Indeed. Uh, and and he sits and he reads the newspaper and gets his slippers on and he talks to his family about their days. Um, and it's fascinatingly weird in places, and that's fun. Mm. Like, there's a great 
there's a lot of fun to be had from a juxtaposition of you know him being called to the headmaster to talk about his children and him saying i am vision of the avengers by my calculation i've saved the world 37 times i'm not going to listen to you <laughs> or you know being on the phone to his bored housewife wife that he created in that role and who does not like it you know in as much as no one should want to like the role of being left at home to clean things especially when they are an incredibly advanced super strong android um having him saying yes dear that's lovely and uh, i'm trying to listen but i'm also fighting giganto uh, that's all fun but it's also really just beautifully written um there are very few books which, in which I would tolerate um, characters quoting large chunks of Shakespeare at one another, but it works here because it's, it's written so glibly, the dissection of the language and them talking about the ways that people interact. It's just brilliantly done. The artwork's lovely, the palette's lovely. Everything's this sort of muted colour apart from the bright green and pink robots. Mm. Um, it's a really nice choice and it's an excellent book. And that's even without going into how incredibly bleak and unpleasant it is. Which it is, though. Which it is, yeah, okay. of course it is. Good. So those are our choices. Mm. That's a pretty diverse roundup. That's this a year. decent list. Yeah. Hey. We made it. It's like we've been I doing this do, for a while. I just want to do a quick check. How many of our roundups this year were published by serious publisher Jonathan Cape? I don't actually know who published Rolling Blackouts. So, maybe one. So we're going to keep you in suspense. Uh, now we're going to read out some of the beautiful entries that we had for our competition. Now you the mean semantically, not using a hoist. A beautiful is such a strong word. We're going to read out some of the entries we had for our competition. Um, now. The question was, if we weren't doing this show, what would you like to hear us doing? Ideally something much better. <laughs> so, we've had a bunch of entries. Um, very, very strong though, this year, I thought. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I agree, I agree. Some excellent, excellent entries. So, let's, let's see. These, I'm going to read a few from, uh, from a young man called Gareth. Hello, Gareth. Hello. A bad young man. <laughs> Bad young man who did a bad and should feel bad. I like these. Have Roger gagged or tied up in the corner while you're recording. See what happens. Should at least be audible. Muffled cries for help. I think I like that less than you do. Podcats. Replace at least one, perhaps all of the hosts with cats. <coughs> I wonder what that would sound like. I believe his, his follow-up was, like that one, but with dogs, they're better. Which he's some, for some reason, not called Dogs Cast. Woof is how that one would go, woof. Yeah, uh, yeah we wouldn't really be able to get through it, though, because we'd be hugging them too oh, much. Oh, hugging them to the point where they maybe died, and so did we, but that would be fine at this point. Do a, quote marks, live podcast, where, quote marks, fans can, quote marks, interact on Twitter. Uh, no. The high point for me from, from Gareth's entries, 
do the podcast while dressed as bears. I don't know what this would change. I want to know. I also want to know. I too am curious. What would this change? Well, I mean, as I said, you don't really get a lot by way of what you might consider genuinely, literally modernist comics. And if you cleave to something like Peter Gay's definition, the leader of heresy, where you're explicitly reacting against but appraising the culture that's gone before, the neoclassicism, the kind of investment in the cultural roots of the medium, this kind of takes it and runs with it, but also spoofs it around a bit. And, you know, I think that's quite... Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's quite... Fuck! Fuck a bear! Not a bear. I'm just wearing a bear so- Oh, bears! They'll fuck a bear, they'll eat you while you're fucking them! So I enjoyed these selections sent in by Clary from Bristol. The Clary that we talked about. Friend of the podcast. Clary. Clary. Uh, One of the suggestions was what we're like when we're not playing those characters. Wireless microphones affixed to three youngish tech professionals recording and broadcasting every action of their daily lives as they begin to question the very existence of authenticity of personality. Joke's on you. Too late. Did you also see uh, see Clary's um, The Mattress Razor Squarespace Fun Hour with Audible introducing the male chimp dancers? I did see that. <laughs> I thought it looked great as a monetization opportunity for next year. Apparently... Three youngish tech professionals sell out hard. And my favourite, obviously, because I'm extraordinarily vain of all the Clary suggestions, was anus, a mouse, a mat. <laughs> Super cut of all the times the female-identified youngish tech professional said anus on the other podcast, with the other two youngish tech professionals singing anus in a Mickey Mouse Club musketeer style in the background. Also, there is a mat. And I think this is is a good time to tell one of my favourite anus stories. My mother bought a car that reads out her text messages to her when she gets them, and she made the mistake of telling me this while she was driving, and I was in the car with her. And so I sent the first text that popped into my brain, which obviously was many anuses. Unfortunately, the text-to-speech programme mangled it, and we got many anuses. (laughs) I was not anused. If I might also from Clary, um, she suggested a, a podcast which I think would be hard for us to do, but you know, extraordinarily difficult. Drop the shoe, drop it, Jesus fuck, drop the other shoe. Three youngish tech professionals talk sincerely in an emotionally healthy way about a variety of topics until the listener becomes a sentient ball of stress cramps from waiting for the emotionally distancing payoff of them saying something absolutely horrible in an ironic way. But it never comes. It never comes. We also had, for the avoidance of disappointment, some people um, took this seriously. And that's just kind of brilliant because they had some really good ideas that we're totally going to steal in the new year. Um, So um, Harry wrote in with Short Comic Showdown, which um, is a kind of pitch where... The idea, I think, is to explain the biggest comic you can using as few pages of it as possible, and then having someone judge the winner. So the uh, the winning comic is is pitched based on, say, number of pages used, or the judge's understanding from it, or how much they want to read it. And he, he came up with a bunch of variations, sort of genres and things you could do. And I really love this idea of you know, incredibly economically trying to explain why something's good. So... Um, 
whilst it it sort of uh, it might lack the sort of key element of taking the piss out of us, it <laughs> well yeah I'm just nicking it. I think we're just going to do it. I would like to see how what the smallest number of pages you could use to, uh, for example, explain Serapus and just say quite funny here. It's sort of a Conan spoof. Weirdly misogynist. This carries on for three thousand pages. Interesting. I think there's some good stuff in there. Al writes in with seal or no seal. There are a series of large crates. Lucy has a Noel Edmonds-style beard drawn on. I do, it's true. But I grew it wasn't drawn. Dave is our contestant. In a break from the original concept, we hear the banker, Roger, who offers no deals, just insults. Half of the crates have seals of various species and sizes. Will Dave win the cute, fluffy baby grey seal, or will he win the massive, angry, hungry bull elephant seal? There's only one way to find out. Art, art, art. Teal or not teal? No. 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 Real or no real? Confusing Scottish country dance music format that should never ever be made. I agree. Yeah. How about? Sorry, real or no real? He did also say that. Uh, Yeah, I was trying to gloss over that one. Because it was horrifying. Because it was in no way elaborated upon. Thank you, Al. Love. Um, <laughs> so um, there, was, there were differing degrees of enthusiasm there, almost zeal or no zeal, if you will. Get out. <clears throat> squeal or no squeal. Now, Giles wrote in with a few things that we quite liked. Um, they were all variations on a theme. Um, they were puns. Puns. Barely. Like elves, but slightly more to do with the show. Sequential consequential. You start with the first comic ever made. I don't know what that is, probably something racist with Jimmy Olsen in it. You're the experts. And then you carry on from there until you get to the end. Boom. Job done. Tricky. I mean, that's quite a recording schedule. Well, we're not busy next year, are we? I mean, the world's going to end. We'll have some time to spare. Indeed. Consequential. This is pretty much the same, to be honest, except Hart has to record over the phone from prison because he's in prison. That is going to happen. That seems plausible. I'm not going to... You did all those crimes. No spoilers. Consequent Thal. Weekly updates on your imminent victory in the war with the hated Carleds. The best part, the best part, is that the special guest is Davros. Me consequential. Self-explanatory. Is that self-explanatory to everyone here? Not for me, no. I've got no fucking clue what he's talking about. <laughs> well, the, the, the Mekon is the... Is the villain Don't Mekon-splain. From Dan Dare. So I expect the podcast would mostly take the form of yelling, It's Dan Dare! Seize him! I can do that. Yeah, okay. I'll go with it. You can probably shout anus a bit as well. I think it would be on... Anus! Giles also suggested some quite clever things, but... Mm. We're not going to read those out. No. I did like it, though, as an idea. I like them. Yeah. He seems like a very smart man. Oliver says, uh, My idea for a podcast is a bunch of opinionated buffoons trying to review films they haven't seen, using only the trailers. The key thing is that they should attempt to be as definitive as possible about plot, special effects, performances, despite having only seen a couple of minutes of violently edited footage. 
They can find out things like the director, cast, and running time if they're struggling, but are allowed and are allowed to look at merchandise such as t-shirts and action figures, but under no circumstances are they allowed to admit in ignorance. I think this would be awesome, and I'm quite tempted to try and set it up as an actual podcast. Well, you're not getting the prize, we just want you to do it. Yes, please do it. I'll join yeah. in if it would help. Yeah, we'll definitely listen to it. You might even participate. Off you go, Oliver. Uh, Alexander Bennett says, travel around section of countryside, interviewing people about unexplainable local mysteries. This is just the X-Files. Cool. I'd still do it, though. I mean, also, the chemistry between us is almost as good as between Dave Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, and we should capitalise on that. Mm. Presumably, I'm just, what, like, tombs in this scenario? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy and strange. And you chew a lot of newspaper. I do. I made that nest. Keeps you regular. Call up folk in the phone book like a reverse call-in show. The goal is to try and find someone who is, A, Pash to minor celebrity. Points for pashed there. I like Absolutely. It. I like that. Or B, punched a minor celebrity. We could call it pashed or punched. Mmm. Mm. It's a strong format. I also quite liked his final suggestion. Um, a podcast which is actually just a virus. Every time you listen to it, it deletes another podcast from your app, slightly lightening the burden. So now you only have to choose between the remaining 68 available podcasts. Some strong stuff. Strong oh. stuff. What do we do if we don't listen to podcasts? We just don't download that one, I guess. Okay. I, guess. I mean, I suppose everybody listening does listen to podcasts you... by virtue of listening to a podcast. It's just me, isn't it? It's just you, yes. Oh, shit. If a podcast's in the... Fo- no. No. Terrified by podcast. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> I shan't. Bye. One final one. Uh, Elliot suggests create a beginner's library for a modestish sum, £100 as a starter. Now, he did end up to having slightly nicked this one, so he's not getting the prize, but I think we should do it. Yes. Yeah, I think we should. I think um, we don't know who he nicked it from, so it's really not our fault. Well, we're quite lazy. Yeah. Also, all those crimes that we've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do research for the other podcast, but I'm fucking not doing it for this. One final one before we, uh, before we pick a winner, which um, also from Clary... Britain's best comics and non-profit bookkeeper. Three youngish tech professionals search the UK to find the best bookkeeper in the UK specialising in creative freelancers and non-profits. They talk for like an hour about how a bookkeeper with fees of £15 an hour can save you money if your turnover is too small for an accountant to be practical or affordable. A prize is given to the best. The prize is value. I wonder who that bookkeeper could be. We won't know until we've checked all of them. No, no. Like Britain's Got Talent for bookkeeping. Yes, uh, but the output is much duller. It's just sound financial advice. Some books which have been kept. Yes. I hear some. I mean, I hear some good things about what was it? Difficulty with primates. Something like that. Yes. In that book. In in that book. All right. Before we before we declare uh, a winner of the competition, I want to keep everyone in suspense. I want to undo the other suspense, which is what are the best comics this year. You are fucking mercurial. I know. Sleight of hand, suspense edition. Yeah. He's not quite puckish, though. I don't think he's got the bone structure. It's just legerdemain. Hmm. Off you go, then. So, Roger, best of the year and why? Nameless City, Faith Aaron Hicks. Why? Um... It's so we talk, we've talked a lot about this being a good time for 
sincere and lovely things. And this is that, it's got some punch as well. It's beautifully drawn. It's very, very tightly structured. It's incredibly taut structurally. Um, she's fantastic at that. And... I don't know, all the stuff I whiffled on about before, it's got a lot of soul. It's got a, a lovely fantasy concept. I love this idea of the city that's sort of accepted waves of identity crashing over it. I really like that. Um, I mean, my one criticism of it is it doesn't do quite enough with it visually. I'd like to, see, I'd like to have seen more layers of stuff accrete to the city. But it's, it weaves mysteries about the past and where this world is going. Then it sits this sort of fun childhood story in it. It's super accessible, incredibly kinetic. It's, it's, just, it's just this delightful thing to read and it's structurally brilliant. Excellent. Lucy, what is best? I thought long and hard about this because I've got three very worthy candidates, two of them worthy in sort of every sense of the word, but I'm actually going to go with Unsounded because whilst I appreciated all of them, it was the one that brought me the most joy and that is not an emotion I find easy to come by. Excellent. And um, for the purposes of capitalism, what's Mm. the runner-up that we can give our lucky winner? I think the runner-up is probably rolling blackouts because March is the third in a trilogy and it'd be weird to give them that. True. Solid. Mm. Or we can give them Tetris by Box Brown, which is my fourth place pick. We'll ask them. Yeah. Hmm. Depends. Little interactive element there. Do you want, you know, the despair of war in Iraq and Syria, or do you want Tetris. the fun story of Tetris done by Box Brown, who makes Hulk Hogan adorable? Oh, he's <laughs> oh, such a lovely Hulk. A scamp. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Unsounded has been on hiatus towards the end of this year to allow Ashley Cope, the creator, to sort of catch up, get a bit of backlog, get more of the sort of story and stuff mm. planned out. But it's, I believe, coming back in the new year, and I'm very mm. excited for it. So everyone has time to catch up with that and then join you... In the happy place. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm. What about Conbury? you? My uh, best of the year was 5,000 kilometres per second. Um, It was the thing that just resonated the most with me, really. Um, And I think that's just because it felt real in a way that very few things I've read this year have. Um, Even though there is, you know, there's, there's a sort of accelerated timeline in it and it just felt like um, the way that these things work when the characters apart was, felt incredibly realistic to me. Um, the artwork's gorgeous, this sort of shifting palette for different places and points in time, um, and gorgeous watercolours. And the whole thing just just felt right to me. I read a lot of things that were very good this was the only thing that sort of felt resonant beyond that all year great so one lucky winner is going to get a comic about being sad in italy norway egypt and elsewhere a comic about adorable hijinks in a historical town and a comic of their choice about iraq or tetris tetris your choice yes bizarre (sighs) what lucky folks you are who wants to reveal the winner? Well, if I may. May I? You may. Oh. 
Um, after stern deliberation, um, we have decided the winner is Gareth for Do the Podcast While Dressed as Bears. I don't know what this was change. I want to know. I think it's um, it's intriguing that we've picked the the one completely non-auditory format change. Effectively, it's the same show. But it's the most semantically sparse. I think that makes it interesting. If I might overread for a moment, I think Please. what's exciting about this is the emergent complexity. I can't disagree with you. Congratulations. Both you and, and Gareth. You get several books. We'll be in touch. So we've got a couple of things to, to wrap up. First is our annual roundup of Still Good. Mm. Um, and then I believe, Lisa, you have something festive to uh, leave I do. Us out I've got with. a little musical number. Excellent. Should we just rattle through Still Good? Yeah, Roger, what's your Still Goods? Lots of things are still good this year. Um, I wanted them all to be in my main list. Paper Girls. Still good. Harrow County. Still, still good. good. Trees. Still good. Good. Injection. Still good. Southern Bastards. Still good. Empty Zone. Disagree. <sighs> Fine. Gay Hockey Pie Comics. Woo! Still good. Still good. And, and just, just in case people haven't been listening, what's the actual name of the comic? Check, please. Check, please. Oh, Available no. at OMG, check, please. <sighs> Mr. Convery. Saga's still good. Still good. Still good. Dr. Fate is still good. Interesting. Interesting. Giant Days is still good. Yes! Still good. I agree, Harrow County is still good. Still good. We all like Harrow County, don't there we? Are, are there more trades coming There's soon? There's three currently. Three. Okay, I've not read the third. I need to catch it up. No, I haven't yet. I think the fourth one soon. Sixth Gun is still good. Squirrel Girl still, still good. good. The new Doctor Strange is pretty damn good, and it's still good. Didn't read it, but I'm delighted it's, it's still good. Jason Aaron, so mm. Mm. same as same as Southern Bastards and several Which, other things you enjoy. Discussed was still good. Injection still, still good. good. Monstrous is still good. Ms. Boys. You guys literally stole all of mine. My, my still goods are Giant Days, Check Please, and Harrow County. All of which are still fucking still good. Still good. Triple check. Well, Boom. It's uh, it's been it's been an interesting year. It's been fucking horrible. We're gonna take a month or so off right now. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. Need a break. Go to Wilma Climbs. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a little hiatus. Hibernate. We'll be mm. back. I was gonna migrate south towards the end of hibernate. January. I might migrate south and then hibernate. Good you day. don't want to you don't want to do it in in the process of. No, when I get there. Is that kind of like a siesta? I'll just sort of like warm up and then have a little snooze. Yeah. That sounds good. We're going to go and do a bunch of reading and then we'll come back. Yeah. Steal some of those Won't podcast ideas. Won't be long. Lisa, you want to lead us out? We'll say goodnight. Bring it home. Bring it on home. On the first day of Christmas, my anus gave to me an anus in a bum tree. That's literally as far as my concept went, so I'm going to stop there. Honestly, I wish I'd, I'd checked what you were going to do. <laughs> what did you think it was going to be? Ah, uh, just, I expected subtlety. <laughs> Merry anus. A merry anus to you all. In 2017, she's not going to say it at all. Be the arsehole you want to see in the world.
on the second day of Christmas. My anus came to me.